Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spiritual Rebels and Misfits podcast. We are really excited that you're here to get weird with us. <laughs> and we're going to have all kinds of, you know, absurd ideas playing around with magnificent guests. And we're just going to go to places you always wanted to go. But, you know, you can tell mom and dad how you felt about aliens, about channeling. You couldn't say fuck. I'm Ashley Bradley. I am a mom. I am an intuitive business coach. I'm a business psychic and a channel. And I am James Lester. I am an open homosexual. I'm a speaker, a writer. I am a member of the recovery community, and I am a queer activist. And after you listen today, we would love it if you would follow us in one of the podcast places, Spotify, Apple, just to name a few. Subscribe, leave us a review. It helps new people find what we've created. And we thank you for listening. Let's do this. Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we can't pull that off for very long. No, we now. can't. No. I, was, I was trying to be professional. Mm-hmm. And, and when we start giggling, which sexy. happens Ash, every time, yeah. I can't do the sexy You thing are very pulling well. it off for Unless I'm performing a fucking musical theater karaoke, then I can get into character oh. of it. But like in terms of like authentically me, I'm more like of the Muppet so, side. So you think you're sexy when you're singing Little Mermaid? Not Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. But rem- I did do a really good fucking Chicago... You remember that? You remember that moment? I try to block out karaoke. all that jazz. <laughs> I can really get into that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, before we dive into this topic, because we do feel like there's many of you that have been excited about this, let us know if you were here. We see Christina and Loy. Say hello to us so that we can know who's here with us. But it took us a little bit to get to this topic. Yeah. I like think, yeah i think it was really f- fresh for both of us until and there was a lot of education a lot of healing i'm really excited we're gonna have renee here mm-hmm. who definitely is gonna further education on this but it, it was also very personalized i think until the last couple of months until we could really sit with it for a minute would you agree yes so we were definitely like i'd say around the same time like in summer of last year right mm-hmm kind of walking through our own journeys with narcissism. And so I do think that it's perspective that we're bringing of like doing some of the work, doing some of the the healing work on like being, I guess, on the other side of it. And I know for me, you're, you'll hear me talk about my experience as like a primary caregiver, like um, realizing that somebody that was a prime figure, you know, in raising me and taking care of me was a narcissist. But up until last summer, I did not even realize, like, I don't think really what a narcissist was. Like, I've heard that term before. And I think I just thought, like, oh, it's somebody that's, like, self-absorbed or into themselves. But I didn't ever really understand, like, what it was or the impact that it would ha- that it had on me, right, as a, a child. And so I walked through this whole journey of, like, realization. It was very – I'm sure you remember, like, yeah. some of those initial calls of – I was like – holy shit, like this is fucking really big. And now it's like opening up all these memories that like I was sitting in really heavily. I I had a therapist for the first time as I walked through it. And it's really, I feel like actually unpacking all of that was one of the biggest things that allowed me to like own more of my truths and more of my authenticity because I, I realized so much of it was like 
trying to be this person and this child that was good enough for someone else that was like fulfilling like their version of what they wanted to be. And so for me, it's like, I need to be this way and sort of like fit into this box um, to be like worthy of love. And I think that while I had stepped partway out of that box, I think that there was so much more. And like, once I made the connections and I started to do that healing, like all of that followed and it was really connected. I mean, I'm sure you've probably noticed some of that, that timing, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, I just want to say up front, like if anyone has any questions or comments, because I know a lot of people have really felt this topic, please feel free to, to share them. Yes. And we'll definitely present what we can to Renee as well to get some more clarity on this. But yeah, I definitely, I, I, I have been aware of it before you, you know, had. From our conversations, yeah. you're like, fucking duh. Like, <laughs> like I know that. <laughs> and it was really trippy for me to go into a relationship with someone. You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of terms like gaslighting and narcissists are used all the time, especially in entertainment, especially in the spiritual community. But to like really witness it and go through it, like the amount of gaslighting and this, the seeds of distrust within yourself Mm-hmm. and unworthiness within yourself that are planted by narcissists to really keep you under their thumb. Yes. It's just, yes. it's crazy, man. It's crazy to watch and to go through and to heal from. So primarily, I think we want to make sure that everyone that is going through that scenario, yes. has been through that scenario, might encounter that scenario, has the tools to like heal from it, man. Because I, I really feel that, you know, when you're an empath or you have an open heart, that narcissists really kind of seek you out. And they kind of look at you as fresh meat. So like, here's a community we need to talk about it because narcissism and the damage done by narcissism can be, as you know, deep. Yeah. And rough. And I think that the many impacts, which we find in the spiritual community and the healing community are the product of at least one parent being a narcissist. And what it turns out, like, as I dove deeper into this is that, you end up being like ultra empathetic and like feeling everything and sort of sometimes the child will either like swing more on the narcissism side, like, or they swing the opposite direction and they become this empath. And so I think that I started to realize the pattern with all of the modern day healers that I'm working with that um, many of them have a least one parent that's a narcissist and they're they're realizing some of these things for the first time and that's what I want to come out of this today is once you see it like there's so much healing there's so many things that are released and I think that as we talk about the patterns and the traits like where it's going to make it very obvious for people to make those connections and also to see the pattern because it wasn't just one narcissist it was then like seeking out these bosses like numerous women as like sort of these boss mentors that I was seeking out that were one of them in particular, a grandiose narcissist who I just like her seeking her approval and having her approval was just like everything to me. And I think that we realized that like, you know, on the unconscious level, we, we were trying to get that from someone. If it's not from that person that we loved, it's through others and we don't want to recreate those relationships. So Definitely. And that I think it is kind of, again, what the narcissist will put into your head where you will seek out that same relationship to try then to seek out the validation or the Mm -hmm. love, which you're never going to fucking get. At least in my experience, you're never going to fucking get it. Not in the way that you like (laughs) want it to be. Yeah, like not in a nurturing way. And then when you are fed like little teaspoons of love, there's always a backbite to it. At least that's what I experienced. And I'm so thankful that I actually got to walk through that and have the tools of of my 
recovery program. Cause if not, like that totally would have sent me over the edge. And, yeah. you know, it, it definitely, I refuse to let that relationship claim the joy of another relationship in my life. And for a while it was, you saw me walk through that as well. Like for a while, it, it plagued my joy. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel like you're being plagued by like the, the scars of a narcissistic relationship or hiafaya, and we're here to talk about it. Yeah. And so Renee is a therapist. She's a marriage and family therapist. And I'm excited that we're not just talking about like, oh, this is like our personal experience with it, but we're actually bringing her in to like bring some of the clinical side of it, of talking about like, these are the traits. These are the things to spot it. These are the things I feel like we want to talk about how we also can like protect our own energy um, by, by, I think sometimes we're like, well, I'm going to call them out on it. I'm going to fucking like tell them I see you, you know, doing this to me. And like, there's so many things that it was really helpful for me to know, like, okay, like there is a better way to approach it than that. And that's typically not going to work. I don't know if anyone else has found that before from their own experiences. Well, here's the frightening thing I really want to talk to Renee about is the fear that a narcissist may never be able to, to heal because you were telling me like they don't have the self-reflection and it, mm-hmm. it's like this useless journey in war. And especially if you're an empath or like a, a light worker, you look to they're shaking their camera. I'm sorry, Duster is like very loudly on the table. <laughs> I'm very passionate about this, but <laughs> but you know, if you're a light worker, you tend to want to aid people in their healing. But with a narcissist, at least in my experience, like it's they don't have the self reflection, and it's all about like deflecting and making you feel like you're crazy or that you're the one with the problem or that your your feelings and emotions aren't valid, and that can really f you up. In, yes. in the long run. And if a narcissist doesn't have the ability to self-reflect, you're fighting like a useless war. And there's a lot of projection. So I think it becomes very like confusing. <laughs> and it's, I think like, that's why people start to feel a little bit crazy. I, there is a book that I started to read and it's interesting because as this book, like as I was reading it, it was recommended to me, to me by a friend. It's called, uh, don't you know who I am by Dr. Romani. Um, and she's somebody that, um, in particular, like focuses on narcissism. And like, I found her through YouTube and one of my friends who was walking through this, like recommended it. She has another one called should I stay or should I go? That's like specific for like people navigating romantic relationships or like marriages. Um, but I think that it's funny cause I was reading that and I was like, I think I do that sometimes. Like, oh my God, like, what if like, I'm not the empathetic one? What, am I like a narcissist? <laughs> and then I started reading, I was like, oh no, I'm self-reflecting right now. <laughs> and I'm looking at myself. That's a big thing. So I guess I'm not. <laughs> but like. Jury's still out. Just <laughs> no, but, but like it does, I feel like those of us that self-reflect, like sometimes we like, we really look deep and we're like, oh, like. I could see that like, or I can see shades of this like in me, but I think like it's more of like uh, a variety of different things. We'll let the the expert (laughs) Renee fill us in on what that is, but we do want to invite in questions. Like if there's curiosities or things that you have, like if it's something we feel like we can answer and like pose to her as a question here on the Mm -hmm. podcast, like ask your questions. Like this is meant to be an interactive space when you join us live. I do see we have a question for Christina coming up. So maybe that's one of the first ones. Should we bring in Renee and like get to the the meat of it all? Yes. As long as she's okay with us pulling her in a few minutes early. Are you okay? If you can give us a thumbs up. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Hello. Hi. 
I feel like you all, you both said so much that I don't have to cover a lot that I was talking about. You're, you're, I was like, I was taking no, mental notes and notes. I was like, check, check. Don't have to talk about that. Um, so but you yeah. represented it correctly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, did you want to start with a question or would you, would where would like you like to start? To like, just talk very briefly about like your background as a therapist and because we we kind of mm-hmm. just said oh you're a therapist yeah. and you're an expert but tell us about you for starters yeah well I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and um I always kind of laugh because that's my license but I really don't like working with uh, couples or families, like as a, so, um, but but what I do love is kind of like working on the. I work a lot with the older adults and specifically um, Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's and uh, and what I notice and caregivers and what I notice with a lot of the caregivers I worked with, they were coming in working on a lot of their triggers, uh, caring maybe. It seemed a lot of um, daughters caring for their mothers. And as I start to kind of unravel some of these triggers, they were narcissistic, borderline, histrionic moms creating all these triggers as these adult daughters are caring for these moms who never cared for them in the way that they have to show up for them. And so that was kind of the way that I... I just started really loving that work where I got to kind of do the family work, but just from one, you know, with the one member of the family and try to heal those wounds that are coming up for these adult children who had no idea what like this, this tornado they were living in of what I call the drama triangle. And so um, just really, so I really connected with that and I love getting to talk to my clients about whether it's their parents or their spouses or bosses, as you mentioned, I think we all connect. And, and I think what you said to being an empath or being a sensitive person, we just tend to find them sometimes um, if we don't know what we're looking for, because the way I see it is we have really big hearts and what better partner than somebody who needs a whole lot of love and um it's just like this it seems like a perfect fit i've got i've got love that you need and i need love that you have to give until it goes wrong so it's yeah i feel like those those, like things to look for like do you think that's good like what the red kind of flags are the things that i brought my I brought my drama triangle. Every- I was going to ask you for clarification on that. Yes. So do you want to break that down, the, the triangle, and then maybe we talk more about red flags, signs yes. that you're dealing with a narcissist? This is the best triangle you'll ever meet. All of my clients have seen this. All of my friends who have relationship problems have seen this. This is the drama triangle. And um, I think probably the best way to start is... Um, what is a personality disorder? Um, narcissistic personality disorder. We're talking about an actual disorder, an actual, um, and what that is, is all the personality disorders have three things. And I think what you said, I don't actually hear this a lot, um, even in like the therapist world. So I'm really, I'm really excited that you touched on that, James, the self-observing ego is not there. And if you are 
doing something or saying something and it's, you don't even know that it's mean or wrong or, you know, impacting the other person, you're not going to change your behavior if you're not observing, you know, we could, we could hurt somebody's feelings and then walk away and be like, oh, shoot, that I shouldn't have said that. That was, oh, take accountability, call and say, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for it to come out like that. That's totally, we do that. We, unfortunately, you know, we hurt people's feelings sometimes, but it's that ability to recognize, oh, shoot, I think I crossed the line. Narcissists specifically, but most of the personality disorders, they don't even recognize it's black or white. You're either right or wrong. Uh, you know, we're not getting along and you're either the good good guy or the bad guy. And chances are you're never going to be the good guy. Or if you are, it's it's part of that part of that kind of grooming. Um, so really, all the personality disorders um, that said they have a trait that they that they lead with. Um, so that's the one thing that they use all the time. It's like they're one tool in their toolbox and that's all they have. And um, Can we think about what examples of like a trait like that might be like if we gave like, I think that would be helpful. Well, I was going to say, well, for the narcissist, grandiosity is their, that's yeah. their tool. So if I'm feeling insecure, if I'm a narcissist and I'm feeling insecure instead of, you know, maybe if, if I really, I don't know, this is just a silly example, but like, uh, I'm really jealous because I love your blue hair and I can never pull off blue hair. Instead of saying, oh, I love your blue hair. It's so great. I I could just, I would be so, and like, I don't know. I would be too insecure to do that. That's what maybe we'll say like a normal person. A narcissist would be like, oh my gosh, your hair? Are you kidding? Who would do that? I mean, are you, what? I mean, did you pay for that? And that's that. I mean, that's just a little. You know, I love this little example. Extra points for role playing. It. Like, I really got yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my god, that's some people I know. Grandiosity. It's that I am important and you are not. And it's it's all this all this drama triangle is 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 a way to um to um. Like, I can't take accountability. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to deflect. I'm going to put it back to you. I'm going to, it's like a shake and confuse. I'm going to put it back on you. So all of a sudden you're the wrong, you're the one in the wrong, you're the bad guy. Um, and then another, another example would be like, if I'm, I hate to say this, but um, 50 to 75% of narcissists are men. So I'm going to use don't, examples don't with men. Girl, so <laughs> <laughs> um and so, uh, so another example would be, let's say like a, a husband and wife and a wife comes home that she says, I'm going to be home at eight. I'm out with friends and then comes home at eight 30 and Oh, sorry. I'm late. Instead of just, Oh, I'm so sorry. I came home a little late. No big deal. Right. The narcissist husband might, you know, well, or I'm sorry, it'd be the other way. Let's say the narcissist came home a little late and the wife is like, oh, you're late. Not even trying to cause trouble or cause just maybe acknowledging, well, you were late last week and I kept, you were late five times last week and and you didn't even call and you didn't this and, and how disrespectful. So all of a sudden it's like, wait, you were the one late. How am I the one all of a sudden feeling ashamed? And that's that it's, it's that switch. It's that position of the triangle and that yeah. grandiosity is how they confuse the hell out of you. So 
they justify their behavior, they protect their egos, and they they're avoiding the accountability or the mistakes or whatever the, the wrongdoing by putting it onto you. So they they assume a position. I would say it's like musical chairs. They assume a position, and then all of a sudden. You, it's like you stand up and then they pick another chair and you're left to like, wait, I was in that. I What? Like we were here. And how did you get? And then it leaves the person. Because I don't know if they can see all the words. Oh, was, was oh, it's, oh yeah. Me. And also for the. So tell me, is this like the drama triangle that's associated with the empowerment dynamic triangle? It is. It is. Okay. So this is all about this is all about confusion and control. Is that, I feel like I can't get it centered and see. Um, You'll so just like verbally say it, what's there for the people that listen to the replay. Oh, is it hard? So the hero, it's a hero, the victim, I can't read backwards. Hero, <laughs> the, the persecutor and the victim. So the hero is kind of, you know, walking through the door. Here I am. You're welcome. I'm home. I made it. <laughs> and then, and then the um, going, uh, then then blaming or getting blamed for being late. And then all of a sudden blaming the spouse for all the times that they're late. And then, so they go into this triangle of confusion and that's all it is. It's a power play. And if I'm feeling insecure, the best way to stroke the, or a narcissist, the best way to stroke the ego is to knock the other person down. Mm. So, so they're not looking to, they're, they're not looking to like read self-help books and work on their ego and, you know, learn to have better self-esteem. Their best play is to knock others down. And the trait that they lack the most is inequality or equality. Mm-hmm. We're not equal here. I am here, which means you fall under here. And power is the worst thing that you can do for a narcissist. That's like their kryptonite. So that's why empaths are really good partners because empaths tend to be very, um, not very intimidating, very loving, very caring. And then, so it's like, you know, if I'm here, they're not going to try to come get me until, you know, that child, the, the ego gets stroked or maybe, you know, a lot of times when children come into the picture, there's a lot of jealousy that happens. So, you know, you pay attention to your, your, the kids, not me. And that jealousy comes out a lot of times after marriage or after children. It's like a hook. I think um, the grandiose narcissist was one that I was like learning about in that, that book that I mentioned. And then um, the covert narcissist was one that I think I, I think it's actually a little bit harder to spot. And I think that that's the one that in my family relationship mm-hmm. was most prevalent. And what really caught me is like, I think some of the traits that I saw and experienced is like that it's really hard to feel that emotional bond and connection. And it's almost like a sense of like um, emotional abuse in some way that Mm -hmm. um, while all of your physical needs are met, while all like you're being like fed and clothed and you're like, okay, that the emotional needs, there's a lot of like withholding and like a lot of distance and that, um, that's something that is, I think, like a key trait in covert narcissism, if I'm not mistaken. Is that what mm-hmm. you would say as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think really, so a lot of the main, the underlying problem with all the personality disorders too, is a history of bad relationships. 
And so if you take a, you know, if you take a history of a narcissist's past relationships and not even romantic, I mean, even friends or they're going to have a long history of people who have written them off or they've written off or just bad relationships and patterns are patterns are patterns. And I think James, you asked something about like the, the rate of um, for uh, like a narcissist to, I don't improve. I don't, I don't remember the word you used. Recover. Recover. Yes. Yes. Very, very, very small chance unless they really put in the work. And the the key is that insight. That's the first (laughs) thing. If you cannot instill that insight into a narcissist, there's no point. And, and that's why it's hard for a partner because you're not in a position to be instilling all these like, you know, look what you did this. And you're saying, Ashley, like, you just want to be like, oh, look what you did. They can't see what they won't see or can't see. They can't see what they can't see. And so then you become the bad guy for pointing it out. And it's, it's not, so therapy is a really good place, but narcissists aren't usually going to therapy for themselves. They go because they're going for somebody else, like my, you know, my wife or my whatever. It's always about everybody else. That they're the victim. Yeah, I think the the covert narcissism as well is like, if you try to like, even like really lovingly, like kind of show them things that it's always turned around and that like, more often they seem like somebody Mm -hmm. that's like, kind of sad and has like low self esteem. Um, But that it's only like, I think, like, sometimes the manipulation and the control, I feel like most others don't view it. I think one thing that I really noticed is like, like I say, this is more for a parent, but I think it could be actually very much for a spouse as well, where they're like this, like perfect picture to everybody else, but they're not oh. even a lot about putting on appearances, right? 90%, 90% of the time they're charming and loving and they're funny. They're, I mean, they are the best entertainer. They're always, I mean, not always, they're usually really charming and and right. there's that that hero part too. It's like, oh my gosh, he or she, they're 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 the so fun, the life of the party. They're so nice. They're the ones who's offering to bring the drinks and the whatever. Yeah. Because that's that power. In that moment, they are in the power seat. And they're so another part about the narcissist is they're always fishing for compliments. And they do that in those those like the hero role. So it's it's I'm going to go, let's say we're having a party. I'm gonna offer this and this and this, but it's not because they're nice. I mean, they could, but it's that underlying part is I'm going to get rewarded. I'm going to get a compliment. I'm going to be told I'm the best guest ever. And that that's the the reason that's the drive behind that nice behavior because they get, they get rewarded for it. So there's nothing altruistic about a narcissist, right? It's a reward kind of, it's a Jedi mind trick, right? Pretty much at the end of the day, they need to be rewarded. Yeah, but unfortunately, they don't even have insight. So they're really not like in their mind saying, I'm going to go by, you know, I'm going to be the best guest at this party because then I'll get. So it's totally this subconscious, unaware, like just lack of awareness. They don't even, they don't plan it. They're just, it's so automatic for them. And that's the thing where you can't point it out to them because, you know, what am I doing wrong? I'm just being nice. I'm just, so there's that way to kind of bring it back around. It's, it's really similar to like the, um, the, cir- the circle of abuse where it's that, you know, they, the abuser will abuse their spouse or, and then they come back and then buy flowers. Oh, but I love you so much. Please don't leave me. And then it's like that, you know, the rescuer, the 
mm-hmm. or the pursuer and distancer. So there's always that there's always the underlying um, and, and narcissists, their main drive or is just to be feel needed or wanted and loved and adored. And so they do that in ways that are just, I mean, that grandiose, those grandiose ways. I was reading in that book that like, there was an example, like that sometimes if it seems too good to be true, when someone is supporting you and they're just like, Oh my God, they had this helicopter picnic to the beach. And like this planning our wedding, this like basketball coming for me. Who the fuck are you dating? (laughs) 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 If it is too good to be true. If it's too good to be true, it is, and usually. And the thing about the narcissist is, I remember reading an article, and it was so good. Um, it was talking about the covert narcissist, about how in the beginning, they want to hear all of your stories. You are so smart and so funny, and you were just the best thing on, on the planet. Mm-hmm. And then and they get you, and then all of a sudden, they they give you all of it all of your love, all their love, all their attention. And then all of a sudden they kind of start taking it away. And then you are left to think, what did I do wrong? What, but no, but come back, come, but did I do something? Um, Because now I'm getting judged and criticized, but I was so great a month ago or a year ago. And now, so then you get confused because all of a sudden you are being, you're on a pedestal and now you're like, you know, sitting at the, bottom of a pile of shit because that's that yeah i mean but i did want to ask sorry to interrupt you right i did want to ask you about that because i really noticed the seeds of doubt that are kind of implanted in you and the the gaslighting that comes along with it and christina did ask a question earlier and i think this harks back to it like if we are raised by a narcissist or have a narcissist in our, our life early on are we then prone to attract that into our life later on to repeat that relationship and the gas insight on that um uh, my clinical response is no um narcissists don't it, it's kind of like having an alcoholic parent i don't you're like ashley said you're kind of you kind of either go one way or the other you tend to like you just, but from what I, the way that I see it is, um, I heard this quote and I love it so much. The, the ego does what's familiar, not what's right. And Mm. so if you grow up in that chaos and that drama, then that's, that drama is normal. And so when you're seeking a partner, you want normal. And you, I mean, and sometimes you're like, uh, -uh, this is, I know this feeling, get me away. I don't know. But a lot of times it's familiar. It's it's that it's a oh it, we're I'm home I'm home you're you're crazy you're chaotic this feels so normal but our ego doesn't know that that's right or wrong it just feels mm-hmm. normal and so that's my answer to that because I know a lot of people who've been in narcissistic relationships and just pattern wise I don't the, the parental part doesn't seem to be in in, an effect but it's that chaos in the household growing up and we are like this is what love feels like like this is how i've experienced love and this is what i know of love i could see that yeah yeah or that grandiosity is so exciting because you had this like ho-hum kind of boring childhood no drama nothing exciting and that that grandiosity is 
exciting and you want a new change. And so it kind of works both ways mm-hmm. where you're, you're just looking for that familiar or that, that whatever makes you feel good. So, so let's do romantic comedies for fucking perpetuating <laughs> this grandiosity because people are like, oh, it's like a fucking movie. And it's like everything I've been dreaming about. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I, I think you can still have that romance, but I get what you're saying where they shift positions. That whole musical mm. chair scene totally makes sense, right? Like mm-hmm. they go hero to victim. And what was the last one on the triangle? So it's hero, victim, and persecutor. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. So what would you say would be um, some telltale signs? You're definitely dealing with someone that has a personality disorder versus just having a random everyday argument. What's something that would like, again, like red flag or like, oh, warning sign, payday. Right. Well, what I was, the first, when I'm working with my clients, the first thing I do is teach them this triangle and and you're kind of, you're kind of going through, and it's funny because they'll be like, Oh, I went through the motions, hero, persecute, you know, like they could see this person, like, like watching this person talk and they're like, oh, that's the hero. Oh, there they go. And, and so being aware and learning these patterns and staying the hell away from it. And this is their drama, their tornado, their let it, let it, because it doesn't matter what you say. If you get sucked into it, you're going to wish you hadn't. So I think first, like the awareness that that drama that triangle is there and just stepping away is the best thing because I know if I get into a fight with like let's say a friend and we argue chances are I'm not going to walk away feeling like an awful person or like my character is totally just you know just was attacked or so I think the difference really in recognizing a normal fight or argument is are you walking away feeling less than did that person did that person turn this into a situation where you're, when you're walking away from it, they're feeling high and mighty and you're feeling like, you know, gosh, questioning your whole life or your whole, like, you know? Um, so I think that's the difference between kind of like scaling what's normal versus what's not. Yeah. Um, I think that it'd be good to dive into like, if we know that we have these narcissistic interactions, like a family member, like some tactics that maybe do work better, more tactics that work better just to protect our own energy or ways to like kind of prep, you know, if we know that these people are still in our lives. Some, some self yeah. narcissist self-defense basically. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, well, it's hard. Let's let's, so let's do, let's just talk like the, the husband coming in late and then all of a sudden attacking the wife. So the so what's going to happen is if the wife starts to stick up for themselves, then all of a sudden they're going to get into an argument and it's going to become a ping pong. It's just going to be defense mode, defense mode, defense. Nobody's listening to each other. And mm-hmm. so really, that's why when you notice that triangles there and it's like, oh, I just called him out. And now all of a sudden I'm the bad guy. I see what's going on. I'm going to just say, okay, I, I, you're right. Sorry. I know that sounds like a horrible, but there's no reasoning. You can't reason with a brick wall. And at that point, they're a brick wall. And so just learning to stay out of the drama, like that's the best tip. You'll thank me later. I swear it's simple. Just stay out of it because there's no reasoning. And then when you're able to step back and you're not in that like defense mode, maybe coming back later and saying, you know, you can't when when the when 
the spotlight is off of the the husband and he's not in defense mode because he's you know he's not in attack mode defense mode whatever maybe later say hey i really didn't like how you um you know what just bring it up later i really didn't like how you you accused me of being late i wasn't accusing you of being late or just you know saying things like that but you've got to remove yourself from that moment because you're going to get sucked in and it's going to spiral and there's no point. Nobody's going to yeah. walk away feeling like they were listened to. So. Cause um, I think it's going to drop bait. Like I feel like there's things that they'll say like kind of jabs and um, things that start to be critical, you know, of you to kind of pull you into that drama triangle. And I think like one of my learnings is like, how you're seeing how it's just like, see, oh, there's the bait. Like I'm aware of it. Yeah. I'm not taking it. And I think like it's that's like, not personal. This is them, not me. They're, this, they're yeah. having an insecure moment. I'm not, I'm not whatever they're trying to make me feel. This is their moment They're This is their issue. And trying to kind of separate that. Um, I even tell my clients to kind of like use these moments to get inside of your head and laugh and say, like, oh, I feel so sorry for them. They're feeling so insecure right now. <laughs> yeah. And just using that as like, oh, that poor little thing, because the last thing they want to do is, you know, be made Yo, to feel like, but in your head, don't say it out loud. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I have a question. Christina kind of brought it up. What if you're not sure if you're the narcissist or your partner or both? Aww. So how can someone, if they have enough self-reflection and they're questioning, they're a narcissist. Is there a way to tell the fact that you're questioning if you're a narcissist or not is probably the fact that you're probably not. Um, no, I think and, so, right? And narcissists, I think I read another question. Um, do narcissists attract narcissists? Are they usually attract borderline personality disorders or disordered people and narcissistic personality disorder people love each other because of that drama they're constantly you can't have two narcissists that's too much that's too much ego too much power too much control in a room borderline and narcissists statistically clinically what they are seen together often because of that drama um but i would say i would say I would say I would really question that question too. Why, why are you wondering if, if you are the narcissist? What, what, what facts do you have to back that up? And what thoughts have been implanted to make you feel like you might be a narcissist? Um, mm -hmm. Because chances are that that thought probably came from somebody else. From a was, <laughs> I'm not a narcissist. You're the narcissist. You're the one who's self. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I hear this a lot too, and it hurts my, it makes me sad because a lot of clients will say, I've been doing a lot of work on myself, a lot of, you know, self-care and a lot of just really working on me. I feel like I'm, I'm a narcissist. That is the last, that is, that is no, not true. Just because you're working on yourself. That's amazing. And, but how sad that we have to feel like we're narcissistic because we want to grow and be a better person. Narcissists don't want to be better people. They don't even know that they're not better people. So that's, you know, so that's so far from that. And, and I, sadly, I hear that a lot because I'm working on myself. I must be really into myself. That's uh, and just first to say, no, that's self-care. That's not narcissism. So get that so, out of your 
So since you did take us kind of here, Renee, how does one kind of, besides, you know, therapy, which is awesome, what is some ways that you can kind of recover from a narcissistic relationship and like reclaim, like for me, like getting out of one, I refuse to give any more of my joy to it, any more of my time, any more of my, like, I got really insecure after that relationship. I, I didn't think love was real because all the seeds were planted. How are some ways that you can heal or really, you know, do that self-care for yourself after a narcissistic relationship? Gosh, um, I feel like besides, there's so many amazing books out there that that would probably be a good way to just kind of, I think reading something in black and white is really healing, like knowing that almost like putting things together, um, putting things together and saying, sorry, I, I read that and then I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I tried. Um what what we were talking about um something about oh the like healing so i think it's really just working on unraveling those thought patterns that we got implanted in there and knowing i'm not weak and a lot of times i think oh. the narcissist that the narcissist isn't on, it's such a power and control thing that it's only natural the person with them there's no room for two people to to grow or have power so you're going to be in this position where you're questioning your self-worth and your self-esteem. And, and I think it's, you know, I think just stepping into that power and saying, I do not, I'm not giving my joy to any of that drama. I'm stepping out of it. And I think that there's a power that comes from that and saying, Oh my gosh, like almost like I just watched that drama triangle happen and I didn't insert myself. And I think with each time you kind of learn, that's like a baby power move and and you get more confident in saying that is crazy and I don't like I don't need that that sucks my joy that whatever however you want to look at it and I think just using those baby steps to to bring your power back because a lot of it is you just feel small and and learning to untangle those thoughts and and you know nobody is nobody deserves to be made to feel small or less empowered, you know, disempowered or anything and, and just kind of figuring out why we're thinking that about ourselves. So a lot of like CBT work and therapy, I guess you said besides therapy, um, but just kind of understanding our behavior and why are we doing this? Why are we isolating from our friends? What are those thoughts that are making me isolate from my friends? Um, well, because I'm, I'm a loser. Nobody likes me. Wait a second. Who says I'm a loser? I know. I'm, so just kind of like, challenging those things and trying to explore how they got there and knowing you didn't put them there because you know that, so that just was, really being mindful of your thoughts that was very helpful actually though, the realizing like if you're feeling small that's mm -hmm. not love and that's absolutely mm -hmm. how I felt in that the narcissistic relationship I felt so small mm -hmm. I was like why do I feel so fucking small and that's right. not yeah. In a, in a relationship, you want to be with somebody who compliments you. If you are, let's say you're good with whatever, you're good at this and the other is, is not. Instead of saying, like reminding them every day, you suck at this, you suck at this. It's, well, you know what? I noticed that you're not very good at this and, and I feel like I do a pretty good job. Why don't you let me do that for you? And that's what we're, that's, that's what, I mean, it's funny to even think that you have to, I, identify what a healthy relationship is because some people who've never been with a narcissist are like duh that's that's how it works 
But when you're in a relationship where there's that power differential, you don't know what's normal. You don't know what's wrong, what's right. And you're just kind of always questioning yourself. Confused. confused. (laughs) And then you don't know if this is normal or are you the bad guy or they the bad guy? I mean, you just, you don't know. And so, so I think just that, just assessing that relationship, if I don't feel good about, if I'm feeling insecure about myself in this area, how does my partner or parent or whatever make me feel? Um, if they're making me feel even worse about my weakness, are they putting that weakness in a, on on spot, like putting a big spotlight on it? Mm-hmm. That's not, that's a way for them to push you down. That's not normal. So and, we, sorry uh, to interrupt you, but Amy's question is really intriguing. The one that kind of, is there a connection with OCD and narcissist? So OCD, no, but um uh, obsessive personality disorder is a personality disorder. And so those two will, um, of course, overlap. So if obsess- the difference between obsess, I don't know about OCD. I, I don't want to say for sure. But OCD is more of like, you know, I've got to, if I don't move that cup, then I'm going to go bankrupt tomorrow. So you're like, I got to move the cup. I got to move the cup. Oh, okay. I moved it. Whew. It's that obsessive thought that makes you have to do that behavior. OCPD is where like you go to somebody's house and everything is orderly. And it's not about being a clean freak. It's if you go to their house and then you accidentally walk on their carpet with shoes and then they spend an hour berating you on how awful of a person you are and how how dare you not know that you don't wear shoes in the house. So it's not willing to conform to their beliefs and they impose their their particular, their, their rigidness. That's, that's the best way. They're so rigid that they try to impose that onto you. And if you don't follow their rigid expectations, then you're the, you're shame on you because they will, you're the bad guy now. So that's, I think, so the question I think is that correlation between OCPD, obsessive personality disorder, and then narcissism. So yes, they're both on the spectrum of the personality disorders. If that makes sense. No, like, and I totally saw flash of people in my head when you were explaining that. I was like, I know those motherfuckers. I've done them before. So thank you. Yeah, it's like, I'm I'm not even going to their house because I leave feeling like an awful person. Right. Um, And this isn't just the neat freak. This is like, you are now, your your character is now attacked because you didn't use a coaster or, you know, these silly things that it's... I'm thinking about um, some other things that, the question kind of left me like what other questions do you have because I I had it and it's just gone now (laughs) (laughs) um no I you just gave so much insight but um I guess that the question you've really answered I mean if you're in a relationship with a narcissist you know is there really a way to make that work or do you suggest separation and self-care with both people in therapy. Yeah. Just run away. (laughs) Like, are you too close if you're with a narcissist to actually uh, make like an amendment to that relationship? Do you feel that, you know, individuals need to go their own separate way and work on themselves if there's a chance for that relationship to work out? So, I mean, narcissists really don't, they have to be willing to work. They have to be willing to put in the work. And if they're not, then they're going to, because like I said before, patterns are patterns are patterns. You can say, yeah, sure. I'll work on that. I'll be nicer. I'll be whatever. 
and you can say that a million times, but it's like, if you don't know what you're doing wrong, how are you ever going to correct it? You're just going to keep apologizing. And so, so really, I think it's not about like, I don't know. It's, I think their willingness to accept that the work relationship isn't working and it's both partners that need to, um, put the work in it's, this isn't a one side. And the funny thing is when like, uh, John Gottman, uh, he's a very big, um, uh, couples, I don't know. Uh, he studies couples and one of his biggest theories, uh, he has, I'm not going to explain it. I'm not really a couple. Like I said, I don't work with couples, but he, <laughs> uh, he does research and, or he did a lot of research on couples and learned that contempt and, um, Criticism are two of their, I think two of four, but those are two major uh, players in divorce rate. So if you, if there's a high rate of contempt, there's, you know, there's always like eye rolling or, oh my gosh, you're so dumb or criticism. Those are two huge factors that can predict divorce. And those are two traits that narcissists have. And so it's like, you're kind of already statistically setting yourself up for, so if you're not, if you're not working on those things that, you know, couples therapists say are two of the main things that aren't going to work in a marriage, then you better work on those things. Otherwise it, yeah, it's, you can't just go to therapy and hope your husband or your partner changes because it won't, it won't happen. Yeah. I think what I found useful about therapy is like, I sometimes just try to go straight to acceptance and just be like, like once I saw it, like, I think my pattern is just like, okay, well, I don't want to be in victim. So I'm just going to go straight to like seeing this person, accepting this person for who they are. And my therapist was like, you need to like really feel into this and your feelings are valid and doing this work and like releasing these things is like, that is, that is the work in this. And it's great. Like, yes, but we want to like really give like, you know, some, some validity to like your experience. And I think for me, like I really needed personally, like, especially with a busy life of being a mom to have that time, like for myself set up with my therapist to like walk into that space Mm -hmm. and let someone else hold the space for me, which often, like, I feel like we do that as coaches or as, you know, sponsors Mm -hmm. in recovery. And it like, really just like let someone else be the observer and to notice things that I would have like skipped over. And I think for me, like that process was just really transformative. And I, I don't know that I would have like dove that deep or noticed some of these like little specific things that I didn't even see as connected, had no clue mm-hmm. that there was a connection and holy shit, like. <laughs> well, you put it under a rug. You you don't know if it's normal. You don't know if it's right. You don't know if it's, so you just shove it under a rug. And when you said acceptance, that's actually probably avoidance. And Ooh. sorry. Um, <laughs> I didn't avoid it though. I went to therapy. I know, I know, so like I that was like a snap for you know because I personally in recovering were taught acceptance, but I love that you differentiated the two. Mm-hmm. There's acceptance. Oh, this is someone's personality quirk. This is something that someone's into that I'm not. And then there's you know mm-hmm. avoidance that I'm avoiding mm-hmm. how painful this is. Well, well, I think I think you hold it differently when you accept something. It's it's like 
kind of like, oh yeah, I accept that my aunt's annoying or whatever. It's just like, yeah, it is what it is. But when you're ignoring it, I think you wear it differently. You're pretending it doesn't happen or you're pretending that you're, it's almost like your instincts are going off, but you're just shoving, you're, you're, you're putting it down and that can weigh on your body. And, um, and actually, you know, I know empaths tend to have um, a lot of like autoimmune problems. And when you're in a relationship, uh, an empath with a narcissist, and you've got somebody sucking all that energy out of you and, and creating all of this, it can really wreak havoc on your body when you're, especially when you're more um, sensitive to taking on energy. And, and, and I know, um, yeah, like autoimmune disorders are really common for empaths, which it's so living with a narcissist, that's a lot of energy with a grandiosity. So you can like be in, in, you can't walk through it unless you have the awareness of it. And so for me, mm -hmm. I I wasn't even at the point of avoidance because I was like, oh, this, this family member is, uh, we're just really difficult, kind of angry all the time. And I think that oftentimes like, we're like, oh, this is just who he or she is. That's just who they are. And I think like, it's really um, interesting because obviously somebody that took a big, part in raising you has they shaped who you are and they shaped a lot of your patterns and so I think it's really important that you're and you're going to learn a lot about yourself like I know for me the thing that I didn't connect was like talking about imposter syndrome you know with my therapist you're like oh I don't like I want to be so careful like I don't want to be a fraud and I like it's really hard for me to like own these things and she was like that's really interesting that you use the word fraud because you know that that's like one of the biggest things like that a narcissist is called, right, is the fraud, because they're, like, putting on a show for everybody, and it's, like, so so interesting that, like, you're, like, I can't be that, I don't want to avoid it, because I'm just, like, oh, it's just, you know, imposter syndrome, or, like, you know, but there was something bigger there to unravel that was connected to my childhood and so that was big well it's also like if they're if they're the fraud and then their best thing is to deflect it's it's like that like what's that saying like and i know no i'm not or i know i am but what is it saying i know you are but what am i or i know you are i know you are but what am i like that that childish kind of like you're calling me yeah. a fraud? No, that's you. That's you. You are. And then we own that. We like wear that. So we're being raised by a narcissistic parent. I'm sure that that fraud, that that image, it's I'm not. It's you. Like mm-hmm. so it gets passed down because I'm not wearing that. I'm not wearing that hat. That's a bad hat. I'm going to tell you that you're the fraud or I'm going to make you more aware of, of you. Like, you know, put that on to you because we always projecting those negative traits onto our children. And so that's a lot of that definitely gets passed down. It's like hot potato. The parent doesn't want it. So I'm going to give it to the kid because I am a great parent. So shame on you. Don't call me names. I'll pass the potato to you. Yes. Well, Renee, thank you for such an amazing conversation. Like, Thank you for having me. So much. And you really like set off like a lot of light bulbs in there. You know, you really brought a lot of things to the forefront. And I thank you for your time so much. Yeah, this is a topic I think could probably just be endless. It could be weeks and weeks and never even touch touch all the bases of it. I feel like probably revisit like certain um, things like it because I think sometimes we just like need to like start with the basics and then like 
dive deeper. Let's talk about it only with like parents or only with romantic relationships. So we'd love to have yeah. other conversations with you. We hope that you'll come back as well. And like our, our therapist, like friends, it like, gives us the, the download we need to know. Yeah, I would love that. This is, a, I think it's a topic that it's, it's really empowering and you don't know what you don't know. And so it's just, you know, if you're questioning any unhealthy relationships, then this is this is the place to kind of Start put those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where would you want people to contact you and what would you want them to contact you for? What would be some like reasonable things to contact you for help with? Um, well, um, I think just going through my Facebook page that I'm I think I'm tagged on would be that would be a oh she I think it's tagged in the, in the comments. So yes. Base got you. Yes. Yeah. She's on it. Um, and then really, I mean, I, for, for me, I think there's always just that like question and you, you said it Ashley too, just knowing like bouncing something off of a third person and, and like knowing, is this normal? Is this not normal? Um, that's really helpful to just have that, that, um, you know, uh, that just that third person who's who's just on the outside observing, and you know, if if you have any, ever have any questions about that, just is this normal, or if you're interested in uh, jo- in participating in individual not couple therapy, um, I am accepting. <laughs> I am accepting new clients, and so if you have a question, individual or, guys, individual, <laughs> individual, yes, <laughs> leave the narcissist at home. <laughs> to be in the same state as you like with, with LMFTs or can it be anywhere? So right now I'm only licensed in, um, in California. And then I will find out next month if I will be licensed in West Virginia. And so those are the only two States that I can for now. Those are the only two States that I can work with somebody. Okay. Yeah. I know it's different with therapy. So I wanted to make sure that we made that distinction for people that are listening to this now, or they listen to the recording. Um, thank you so much. Thank I just so really much. appreciate you, like, especially your role play. I feel like you might win best <laughs> actress of season two. So I do appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Much love. Bye, Renee. Right, bye. There's so many avenues and rabbit holes. I feel like you can get in with that conversation. Any Anything else that you wanted to say before we talk about next week and what we're diving into? Oh, I just love that she really kind of, for me, acceptance, when you get into acceptance, it eventually feels good. Like mm-hmm. when you get an acceptance and avoidance, it just feels worse and worse and worse. You yeah. Know? Like you didn't know, like you were in avoidance because you were kind of groomed to like, oh, this, you know, this person this way and that way. So like, I really love that if, if you're practicing acceptance as a spiritual tool and it feels lovely and amazing or less painful once you really dive into acceptance, when you're in avoidance, it just starts to gnaw like further and further. And that's how I felt in that relationship. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'm the crazy one or maybe I'm being overly emotional or maybe I'm ex- expecting too much. And it felt like it was just nine and nine more and more. So like I yes. tried acceptance, but if it's really, if the pit of your stomach's opening up more and more, then you're probably not facing something mm. and acceptance is not the answer in that case. Well, it's interesting because obviously like I come from the coaching world and I like at any given time, you know, I don't know like, what happened right there. <laughs> <laughs> is there something with your throat chakra that you need to say? Open it up. 
Yeah, but this is Ricky on you, or Renee's a Ricky master, I'm pretty sure, or she's really high up on the Ricky chair. Okay. Um, choking on my own brilliance. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that with coaching, like I love working with coaches and like the topic of this specific family relationship came up a lot with different coaches that I worked with and like personal, um, like work and like doing my own work was like obviously big. And I think like, I think that I tried to dive into it enough times with coaching and coaching isn't going to get into like the clinical side of it. Coaching isn't going to get into like, there's personality disorders at play. And so I felt like things just never really got anywhere. So for me, it felt like I was trying to do it and that I needed to go into acceptance, but like, at least for me, like that wasn't the right pathway that I needed somebody that could talk to me and educate me about these specific things. And until I recognized that there was a personality disorder that was involved in this relationship, that's when the light bulb went off where I was like, Oh, this is like a therapy thing. This isn't a coaching thing. And that's why I felt like I wasn't really getting anywhere. Um, so yeah, I think like, I think that sometimes it's just the realization to, to maybe see that there's something more at play to know who we're going to be best resourced with and realize that like toxic people or difficult people that sometimes there's something more. (laughs) I think we need to know the right avenues to heal or learn or overcome things sometimes. Like, you know, like coaching is not going to get you over this personality. It's like, you know, going to, you know, going to therapy is not necessarily going to take care of your alcoholism. Like we have to know the right route yes. to sometimes. And if we can't recognize it, then we can't heal from it or, you know, trudge through it or get through it if we don't understand it. So I love that Renee is like, no, if you're stuck in this triangle, homie, like it might not just be like a rocky time in your relationship. You might be in a fucked relationship and you might have to take a look at that. So I just yes. love the education that, that mm-hmm. we get to go through every week with this podcast. I agree. And next week we are going to dive in for episode 39 to shadow work, like doing shadow work and um, dream interpretation Mm. and how there's like this interconnection between the shadow work and the dream interpretation. And so Crystal, one of our guests that is reoccurring is going to be back. If you guys know and watch Crystal. So this is Crystal I think Vizen is like the specific way or crystal vision, whatever you want to call her. She'll, she's all for that. Um, I want to say that um, Meg is also going to be joining us on the dream interpretation side. I'm going to see if Meg might do a little bit of dream interpretation. Maybe she might like, you know, allow people to comment. We'll ask her if she's willing to do that. And today is actually National International Masturbation Day. Did you know that? I celebrated earlier. You did? Okay, yeah. great. Um, I will say that in the Practical Mystic group, which I will drop um, a link for that as well for anybody that's a part of Spiritual Rebels and Misfits. But if you're watching this live um, before May 10th, um, this Monday, May 10th, we're actually going to be doing our manifesting and masturbation challenge for seven days. It's going to be hosted by myself. Krista, Crystal, and Sarah. So it's a different, different Crystal. Crystal Dwan. Um, those are other healers that co-lead the space with me. And you can find out all of the different things that each of us do, but we're each actually going to bring something different to the challenge. And as we saw with the other Crystal, <laughs> there's too many cr- cr- names, um, that sexuality and spirituality, that those energies are one and the same. And so Uh, We are excited to really use those energies to bring manifestations, to actually bring things like even more into the physical, to really supercharge 
manifesting. And so um, I will have, I'll, I'll drop a link and I'll share it so that people can hop into that challenge. Those are some badass bitches. I know, I know. I feel like uh, we didn't even know that it was National uh, Masturbation Day or National, I guess May is Masturbation Month. Or year. And people are like, oh, great. Like, you guys are so together. And I was like, we didn't fucking know. It came from spirit. Like, this is just how it works. Uh, apparently, because Krista channels uh, Mary Magdalene a lot, we're like, she's on it. Like, we're not that <laughs> fucking organized to, to have a calendar like that. So that worked out perfect. Um, I did learn today that uh, this this national holiday came about in the 90s when the Clinton administration, surprisingly, fired somebody um, who was suggesting that uh, was a, the woman was suggesting that masturbation like be added into sex education, like in the school system, and they fired her. And so that is when this became like an actual holiday. So I feel like that's that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, we're, we're going to have to go have dinner with her. We get to go and have an amazing dinner. Thank you again, Renee. (laughs) That was an awesome, awesome podcast. And thank you everyone else for watching. And happy Mother's Day to Renee and to all the moms out there. Because I know that's coming up on Sunday. So Yes. Thank you. Love you. Bye.